So I'm trying to get my sister to write us a hip-hop jam for our intro. Yep, she sent me one sample of it already. I listened to it. I liked it, but I... It's a little slow. Yeah, I, I say, let's rock and roll this thing a little bit. Right. So. so stay tuned for that. That's going to be awesome. But today on the podcast, we have our friend William Nozak. He is an amazing entrepreneur. He is so high energy. I mean, you need to like take three cans of energy drink before you get ready to talk to him because he's just going to be boom, 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 boom. He's a super busy guy, and he's a uh, – your dog just farted. <laughs> it stinks so bad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyways, William is <laughs> William's going to be on our show. He has been listening to our podcast. Uh, he's been giving us pointers on how to do it better. And he's also... Dusty, are you holding your breath? <laughs> if I have, oh. He's also going to be... Uh, he, he's lived in uh, other parts of the world. And so we're just, just going to pick his brain a little bit. On about how uh, how Christianity is different on other parts of the world. So it's a very cool conversation. Uh, can't wait for it. Um, but, Andrew, did you have any New Year's resolutions this year? No. My resolution is the same as every year, to not make any resolutions. <laughs> and you were successful. Yes. Awesome. I already completed my resolution. <laughs> how about you? Stinks so bad. Uh I kind of did the opposite of everybody. You know, everybody starts going to the gym January 1st. Well, I... This <laughs> thing's so bad. I, oh, my God. I think she parted again. Golly. <laughs> oh, man. Freaking God. So I... <laughs> I started... Uh, <laughs> Instead of going to the gym on January 1st, I took the first week off in January. And so I just went back uh, Monday, and <laughs> it feels like it's the first time I've ever been to the gym. My body is so sore. It is so – it hurts so bad. Eventually – I've said this multiple times. Eventually, I will get back there. Well, it's, it's really hard right now because it's so cold and your bed is so warm. and It's just hard to get up, but that's kind of why I don't want to. I didn't intentionally take a week off. It just – I took a week off. <laughs> but back at it, uh, our church just started this uh, fasting thing, Daniel Fast. There's a lot of churches that, have, that are doing that. It's kind of a popular thing to do come January 1st. Are you doing it? I am not because a Daniel fast requires you to give up meat and other stuff, and you know I just wasn't about mm, that. Just not, just not that spiritual this year. No, sorry. Well, I'm doing well. I they say if you boast about fasting and let like people like I am fasting, that that means that. You're doing it for the wrong reasons because you're fasting for yourself, for your people to acknowledge you, and not for the purposes. So I may or may not be fasting right now. Well, if that's a may or may not then, then I think there's a lot of people in our church who may or may not be doing <laughs> it. Because I see it every day on Facebook. Look what I'm eating for my Daniel fast. <laughs> Chickenless chicken. This encouragement. Okay, we're encouraging each other. Meatless spaghetti. 
I will admit that meatless spaghetti was actually good, though. My wife made these, you know, like a cake ball. Yes. So it's, I love them. it's shaped like a cake ball and uh, tastes like a no-bake cookie, but it's like oatmeal and protein powder and stuff. It is really good. I'll probably keep having those. So you can have protein powder? I get. I don't know. I don't know what's in there. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Protein powder has wheat in it, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it does. You better check those ingredients. Okay. My wife, she made a list. She checked it twice. She knows. Check it a third time. Okay. Anyways, whatever it is, it was from a recipe book for Daniel Fast, so I'm pretty sure it's okay. But it is super good. Super good. Okay, talking about this Daniel Fast. I I say if you're going to do it, do it the way Daniel did it. Don't just make something up and be like, oh, let's call us a Daniel fast because Daniel fasted once. Well, so did Jesus. Why don't you call it a Jesus fast? <laughs> I think it's because Jesus like did like nothing for 40 days, and we're like, 21 days sounds pretty good. Because <laughs> we're still eating. It's It's not like fasting. It's really just we're eating better for 21 days. I don't even think that i mean it's a meat is not bad for well, you Well, no it's not bad for you but matter of fact it is very nutritional for you a lot of beverages that you have to cut out are good for you they have the antioxidants that your okay. body needs then, you, then i said it and wrong. vitamins okay. and it's everything. i think it's just it's a little easier than just cutting out everything, everything. and uh it's definitely i'd rather do this than like a media fast because i've done that before and it's terrible. Hey, hey, hey. We wouldn't be able to podcast. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't be able to have a podcast. Let's do a media fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, bring William Nozak. Let's bring him on. Is he here? Um, I think he is. He he like comes and goes so fast. I can never <laughs> tell where he's at. All right, let's let's. Oh, here he is. All right, William. All right, we have promised the man, the myth, the legend, the owner of Harper's Hut, Shaved Ice in Java in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, William Nozak. Whoa, whoa, what's up? All right, man, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from, blah, blah, blah. You kind of already told us what he does, Dusty. Yeah, you nutshelled it. Well, there's, there's, I'm sure there's more. Is you're, there? you're, you're a guy that's like always doing something. Oh. I mean, I don't, I see you, and then all of a sudden you're disappearing, doing something else. I call you behind your back. I call you Batman. Thank you. Because Batman always just disappears. Batman, <laughs> like, I like it. And so, um, you're Batman. My, so, my family considers me Batman too. We're hanging out with my family for about 20 minutes, and I'll tell my wife, "Okay, we got to go. I got things to do." And so, anyway, what do I do? Um, I'm a multi-unit franchisee owner um, of a franchise in California that I run here from Tulsa. It's three units. It's a carpet cleaning company, large franchise, one of the top um, uh, Inc. 500s. Uh, But I also own my own brand here in Tulsa, Sand Springs. I've got basically a four-unit business with three shaved ice business uh, buildings. And then I also have a Java trailer that is year-round. 
and I have several leases where I lease out my brand to different businesses that use my brand and sell my products. Other than that, um, I have a family, a, a wife and a, a seven-month daughter, seven-month-old daughter, and uh, active with my church, um, help out on the worship team, and honestly, that is all I do. That's it. That's it. That's I don't you couldn't add it. a thing or two more. I watch a lot of football when I can. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. I mean, you are kind of always busy. It's why we have to track you down here at the bar and uh, record this. <laughs> right. It's quiet here today. JK, LOL, mom, if you're listening, I'm not at a bar right now. I <laughs> just crack one open. Oh, yes. <laughs> we oh, are here. <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> All right, so William, did you uh, did you grow up in Tulsa? Dusty, I did not. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm from uh, northeast Pennsylvania, two hours from New York, New York. I am very close to Scranton that you would know from da 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 da. You've watched it um, every day. So three. Steamtown, you know, trains. I grew up around trains as kid. As a kid, I was always on trains. That's just what's big up there. Born in Dallas, raised in Pennsylvania, and then when I my parents split when I was one, I kind of uh, bounced back and forth from Tulsa to Pennsylvania, Tulsa, Pennsylvania, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, back and forth. So East Coast background, but I've been in Tulsa for about 20 years, so I, I'm, you know, honestly, I, I am a Tulsan. Cool. Well, what's the, what's the cultural differences? Uh, I grew up in Iowa, but it's a really small town, you know, Farmville kind of city um which we know is outside the bible belt huh. yes it's not in the bible belt that's something yeah but uh what about you uh, what any cultural differences from here from tulsa to where you were where i was it was in a smaller town and so you could even say it was smaller than sand springs probably uh maybe a manford or something like that so it but it was on the outskirts of larger towns such as scranton i mean you're very similar to Manford to Tulsa, Mount Cobb to wait. Scranton's big. Scranton's decent. Yeah, they've got some big colleges. All I can think of right now is just like office yeah. quotes. They need to look up the populations. <laughs> decent. Well, it had to because the office took place in what a three-story building. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, that was pretty big for Scranton. Well, it's a college town. Oh, okay. But when I was there as a kid, I don't know if it was. How would I know? Anyway, so you know, when I grew up in a in the country. Like I did, you know, I grew up in the country for, for the most part. Churches were very different. Um, we sang from hymnals, and um, and things were very different back in. You know, I grew up in the '80s, so I'm an '80s baby. I remember if, if I'm when I'm talking to you right now, I'm talking to you, you know, '85 to probably '95 range area of things. So groups were small. People were very caring. They were very community, local based. Whereas when I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, everything is more city-based. Churches were city-based. Churches didn't really know you, didn't care to know you. They had very big staffs, big programs, big um, draws. And so it was very difficult to really get in anyone's lives. And so you kind of, in Tulsa, you hear all the big pastors. You hear them on the radio. And so you visit them. You know, you've got Bob Yandian. You've got Billy Joe Doherty. You've got all these big-name pastors, the pastor Bill Shear, Bill um, Guts, Eastman Curtis, Craig Rochelle. They're all right here in this town, and so you kind of go and see them, and so you become a part of this church carousel. And it's, I don't think it's a bad thing, but that's just the, the life that I've felt like I've lived earlier in my life in Tulsa. Yeah, I used to 
personally, I would go to one church on Saturday night. I served at my other church on Sunday, and on Tuesdays I play, you know, in the band at another church. Yeah. And so that's great. Didn't you serve at another church on Wednesdays also? Yeah, I also served at another church in their youth ministry on Wednesdays. So I've, I've been all around. Was called the church. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good bar name. So hey, honey, I'm going to the church. They've had one similar to that. I forget. I don't know. Would you be um, kind of condemned to hell at that point, calling your bar the church? No. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't be selling any crucifix drinks. Yeah. So did I answer the question? I think so. I don't know. I don't I mean, really you know. answered it uh, to my uh, – I liked it. Okay. There wasn't a particular answer I'm looking for. I'm okay, just, I just want to make sure I didn't Just trying to get to know you, man. God. Yeah, so was it? The, what's the major difference? Yeah, okay, so cultural differences. Cultural differences. So I am comparing apples and oranges. The church is there. I was in a community. I was in a, in a uh, small town. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, churches, I've for the most part been in a, in, a, in a city. It's you know what we call right. a small, a, a small big city. So I am comparing apples and oranges. Um, at the same time, you might compare Sand Springs to that town, and there are definitely some similarities. However, the churches I attend now are not hymnal-based churches. You don't you know you don't pull out to page forty-five and. <laughs> and um, and we all sing it, you know, one verse one, verse two, skip three, hit four. We will have from time to time somebody come up to us and be like, hey, can you guys do this one song? And it's like, dude, I that's the song I learned how to play guitar in when I was a sophomore in high school. Like, yeah. Move on. Like, move which on. one are you talking about? Like, well, like right now we're fasting. And so I wanted to be like, we are hungry. We are hungry. Like, <laughs> over the mountains. Yes. The ones that you sang hundreds and hundreds of songs. This song could go it. on forever. <laughs> yeah, that's real brave of you to mock mock worship tracks. But it, yeah, real it's brave. Probably, <laughs> probably going to take account for that one up there. <laughs> Dusty and I grew up in a small town where we sang hymnals. However, we we also had um, you know guitars and drums, and, uh, but that was more on Wednesdays. Did mm-hmm. Churches in Pennsylvania have that as well? The churches I went to in Pennsylvania were not nearly as progressive in regard to bands. They were mostly organ-based, some piano-based. I've been to some electric drums groups. Oh, yeah. But I've been to some of those here in town. You know, They don't have a large budget, don't have the musician draw. And it's not that their heart is stuck on that style. It's just kind of like, you know, that's all they have available to them. But, yeah, I remember a lot of of what I – would listen to up there in the church would be it would be a whole lot less band like than what we're what our diet here is in Tulsa. Now you got to kind of save our show. If you listened to our uh, podcast last week, you would hear that our guest hadn't been to a church that had a choir. Have you been to a church that has a choir? Yeah, I love churches with choirs. Absolutely. Thank you. Higher Dimensions uh, before their pastor um, became an inclusionist had an incredible choir church, first united methodist downtown incredible choir in fact the church i had moved here when uh, my wife and i we moved to the side of town and, and started going to our current church before that church we were actually in the choir and um, they didn't sing all the time because it's not appropriate but it was a lot of fun it worked out very good for the fourth generation church goers you know the the 50 60 70 year olds that's what they that's what they worshiped god 
in that form. And so it right. was it was really great to connect them. So what's your preference? Okay, so you've you've had the small relational churches. You've had the big like In and Out Burger type of churches where you you get the Did message. Did you just say you, booger? Yeah, burger. In and Out Burger. <laughs> burger. <laughs> Either way, I guess it still works. But um, do you have a preference? Do you prefer more relational? Or do you prefer more? Um, You're talking church or worship? Uh, church, church. Wow. Do I re- do I prefer surface or relational? <laughs> well, that's obvious. I mean, you kind of baited me on that one. Okay. Well, okay. So, do you prefer more like high energy, like big service I do. model? I do. I really do. In fact, the current church I'm at now is not a big service. It's um, very much a small service, small community. And it's been an incredible experience. I've loved it because I know all the people. They know me. They know my family. And um, and there's so much more accountability with a small congregation, a, a smaller group. The larger churches, they have so much more money. They have so much more ability. They have so much more human resources, financial resources. And, and they've really tapped into something that makes them dynamic and Tons of fun. And so I absolutely love those atmospheres too, like the victories and the and the Ramas. And I have a lot of fun in, in that. So for different things, I would say I prefer the, the bigger churches. But in regard to accountability, I've found that at the local church, which is what I'm at now, a small local church, I've found that the accountability is significantly different. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to work for it on some of those bigger mega churches which those mega churches i've been to my whole life and i've i've actually been to several of them for years and never ever and some of them never ever made any friends now that's part my fault right it, it really is but because at some of those times in my life i wasn't ready to be a friend or know how to be a friend even though i had read all the books winning friends and influencing people you know i uh, communication books out the wazoo i've read all of them you know as many of them as i can i know how to do it and so it could be part me, but like for instance, Life Church, one of the best churches we have here in Tulsa, Craig Groeschel, an amazing um, speaker. Right. But I went to that church for over a year, and I don't remember ever one person coming to to try to find out a little bit about me. I don't know. I've been there a few times. You you really have to be intentional there. Mm-hmm. That's where people go to hide, and they kind of know that. And so yeah, they, they make, do. They make you be intentional. Yeah. Like getting connected to a house church or a small group there or uh, volunteering. And then once you start volunteering, I think you're kind of in that loop at that point. Dusty yeah. can speak to that. Well, that's that's one of the churches I've served at. and That's one of the things is I kind of like going to that church on like a Saturday service, yeah. being able to hide. I don't want all these casual, casual conversations I'm walking in just trying to get to my seat, you know. Um, but at the same time, like if you're wanting to connect – then yeah, but most people that have that response, I'm like, okay, did you did you go to guest services and talk to somebody? Maybe they got you to a life group that you know kind of like people like you. And most of the those time, those are it's, big barriers, dude. Yeah, those and most big, of the time it's barriers. no, and you you have to kind of be looking for it and be intentional. And most of the people aren't. Well, here's the thing: when you say be intentional, you're a new person. You don't have any friends. Be intentional. How about all the people there that are already connected to each other? 
They know who's new. They know who the oddball out is. Well, they don't necessarily. I mean, they have eight services on a weekend, and you may go to an early morning, and you happen to be going, or you know, they think you go to an early morning, whatnot. You're, I mean, yeah, true. It's very easy to get lost there. Well, and I served there on a Wednesday, and then the services that I would attend, I wouldn't see anybody I knew from Wednesday night. So I don't even think it matters to them. Like that, that right. isn't what they're trying to do. They're, everything they do has to, in my opinion. Has revolves around scalability, and relationships is not a scalable thing. That's why the local church, you know, succeeds on so many levels because relationships is a lot of work. Like it's a lot of phone calls, it's a lot of time, and it's not scalable. Whereas these mega churches, relationship isn't up there on the totem pole. Getting lots of people in there and just keeping keeping right. people in front of the presence of God is is in other things that are more important in my opinion. I agree. I do like – that's one of the reasons I like smaller churches and local churches. Now, don't get me wrong. I lo- still love Live Church. Craig Rochelle is a great yeah, great preacher, uh, great teacher. And uh, somehow I always – I don't think I've ever been in Live Church in which I didn't know at least three or four people. And that somehow they always find me. But, However – and they're usually from our church. From our church or a church something. we've been a part of where there was like a church split. Like uh, – right. They they end up there. I love that, but I've heard of local pastors, you know, speaking about the, that type of church. And um, you know, one th- thing that that pers- person or those pastors said to me is, when that when that person that goes to that church is in need, who do they come to? Do they go to that church or do they where do they go? I was like, uh, to that church? No, no, they come to the local pastor because that church is not right. doing is not meeting the personal needs. And I I don't I can't speak about that. But I can tell you this: when I spent years and years at mega churches like Victory, I had very little accountability. Whereas now I'm in a local church, and the, the people, the accountability, it's like massively, oh massively yeah, higher. You miss one week, and you're getting texts yeah. asking where you so are. So accountability is everything in life, in my opinion. You know, there are a lot of things that I'll say is everything in life. It's one of my statements. But you know, when you go from going to mega churches. And when I say churches, I'm really talking non-denom churches. I'm not. I'm mostly talking right. about that um, that type of, of church, um, you know, rubric, the rules that they live by. Um, so when I'm going to these mega churches, the loss of accountability, and then when I go to the smaller church and I see this massive change of accountability, I'm like, wow, what could I have like, what could I have like done better? If I had just had a tiny bit more accountability on the church side of things. Now you've also kind of break away from that. You've also been um, been to churches internationally. I've been to churches California, Pennsylvania, Texas, uh, Colorado. I used to have a thing where people leave town and, and they want to check out the local bar. Right. My thing used to be to I wanted to check out the local church to see what's what's going on, what the cool thing is, you know, what they have going, what do they have going on. I've been to churches in um, Europe, Czech Republic, France, Germany. I've seen churches in in Europe sell beer over the counter. I've seen churches in Colorado where marijuana is legal, and I could have swore that some of the staff were high, and and there was art um, pictures of of Christ on the wall made out of all the tattoos of people with tattoos in the church, and so I've seen some really cool things, you know, and it's really just who you have in your communities. And since we're in the Bible Belt, our community is it's very different than the rest of the world. We're, we're much more conservative in regard to science, politics, and, and our religion, our, our, you know, our faith. 
And so when you get a little bit outside that Bible Belt, uh, the rules kind of change a little bit. And everybody in those churches are going to hell. So. Okay, now. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. Because they're drinking and everything. Oh. They have tattoos. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, now, you said you went to church in Europe and they were selling beer there. Yeah. I, get, I don't know if they do their denominations the same, but what type of denominational church was that? Was it? That's a great question. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I would ass- I really don't know the the different groupings they have like we have here. Gotcha. With the s- several different groups that you can get your church. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can get your church. Get your church on a- associated with. <laughs> yeah, like the different associations. And so I just don't. I don't think they take it as far as we do in regard to alcohol. Like so many churches will say it's a sin, and we know that there's no biblical foundation for that at all. Right. But yet we can st- continue to beat that drum. And so I think that over there, what I witnessed was is they're not beating that drum. Like they understand that it is not legal, not illegal to. It is not unethical to drink it if, of course, you're of age, and you're being responsible. And so I like that approach. That's why they have a whole lot more nude beaches. I'm not pitching nude beaches, <laughs> but their, their perspective on nudity is significantly different than ours as well. And so you think about it, and you're like, gosh, that's just over here. We think of a nude beach, and we think all these people are going to hell. Over there, they're thinking differently. Adam and Eve, man, don't be ashamed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't pitching that. All I'm saying was there are definitely some some mental differences in regard to how we interpret the Bible inaccurately, and I guarantee they're interpreting the Bible inaccurately. I just wasn't there long enough to know. Right. Well, and I think I've heard you say it's it's all about abuse in those situations, and a lot of times we just take that word and make it a dirty word, whether it's drinking or um, whatever, but it's really Drugs. the abuse of it. I've heard you guys <laughs> talk about it too, where you're talking about you know what is common in your past or your family members and things that you want to be cautious of because you've seen others abuse it in your family and it may make you more susceptible to abuse it. With your own genetic makeup or thing, you know, maybe a cell has been busted over time or a mutated gene has been passed down um, through that type of situation. And it might make you more susceptible to become an addict or an abuser. And so I think there's caution there with these things such as alcohol and and maybe cigarette use or anything that really can can cause damage or is considered a poison. I think that's a part of our, our, the Bible Belt here is. Maybe churches consider alcohol poison, just like a cigarette is a, is a poison. And so, of course, we want to protect the, our body like it's the whole, the temple. Um, at the same time, it, for me, I don't really ever look at things as wrong or right. I look at a, the abuse of as wrong or right. Now, there are many things that the single use of it is absolutely wrong, like cocaine. It's illegal. It could destroy your life. It is massively addictive. The single use, I am going to condone. I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say it's okay to experiment there. Yeah. But with alcohol, you're 21. You want to go have a beer. You want to be responsible. You're not gonna drive home drunk. I'm gonna promote that. I'm also going to make sure that I know a little bit about you before I promote that, so that I don't promote alcoholism into your life, destruction, and and your early death. Right. At the same time, it's not my job to promote that to people that I don't know. It would be more so to people that I have a relationship with and I know that they've got a good structure, foundation, and I might spend the time educating them on such things as the use of alcohol, what the Bible says, what the truth is, is and how could you could be a responsible person by adding that to your 
your diet and the things that you enjoy or abstaining from it altogether. Are you speechless? <laughs> I think he is. That's rare. And this is like a first on the podcast. My business is right next to his, and I never see this guy speechless. Oh, my goodness. If you've ever heard this podcast, we've never heard him speechless. I'm either. just trying to, to be respectful of your guys' time and respectful to our Actually, guests. every time I see him, he's listening to podcasts. This dude just, like, is a podcast. I junkie. love, man. I love podcast. Podcast to me is like talk radio, except it's what I want to listen to. On-demand talk radio. Talk radio is talk radio to me, but I want to listen to talk radio as well. I've even seen him flexing in the mirror. It's <laughs> Listening to a podcast? <laughs> I work out. <laughs> a podcast about working out? I have binoculars from my my business, and I watch him when he has no clue. Now, things this I've is seen, getting really creepy. Things I've seen. This is all fake. You don't follow me home, do you? <laughs> is that why we're wearing the same shirt? No. Now, you were promoting nude beaches a while ago. If you've... <laughs> Listen to uh, our podcast. You know Dusty likes to strip. Does he? He does. Well, Andrew likes to keep it really hot in this room, so I have no Is other really option. Hot in no, I actually have right a really big jacket on. I still have my jacket on. And so, so let me just fix that statement. I wasn't promoting nude beaches. <laughs> in fact, I would have no problem if there was a nude beach, but I'm not going to beat that drum, and I'm not. it's not something that's important to me to have. I do not think our culture is ready for it. I do not think our culture is would be ever prepared uh, just by the way we're so – I don't know. We're so conditioned towards nudity to see a little skin and to think sex or to think abuse of, of that sexual relationship, which is honestly strictly for a man and his wife. And so when you have that down, which Europe doesn't have that down, but when I go over there, I definitely see a difference on the way – People act like we had the opportunity to go near one and it turns out we didn't even know we were on one and we were on one and there was families there kids there kids naked and it was just a completely different thing if it was in america and i'm sure there are some here but right here in tulsa oklahoma there would be such an outrage and oh, yeah. so it'd be completely like people would be sent putting uh you know burning crosses around it and and so we don't have the mentality for it and um and i'm not Saying that we should, and just saying we're we're a lot different here in the Bible Belt. And, uh, we've got muddy water, but we don't have nude beaches. Well, I mean, you wouldn't see anything if they're in the water because it's so muddy <laughs> so here. Nude. Maybe we do. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they are nude. We just don't know it. All right. So you talked about uh, we talked about relationships, and Dusty asked about if you prefer the relationship uh, style church compared to the what was the other one. Well, I said, what did I say? <laughs> it was a negative term, whatever you said. Yeah. All right. Well, in and out. <laughs> we, we know what it was. Booger. Booger. Yes. Uh, relationship would you rather versus have, mega. Would you rather have a uh, relationship, r- relational pastor over a teaching pastor, or say a teaching pastor who is mediocre at relationships? So uh, a. Relational pastor that is mediocre at teaching, or Sucks a teaching at preaching, pastor but a great that is relationship at. I've had both. What's your preference? And at different times in my life, I needed one over the other. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I've appreciated more the relationship over teaching. Although I taught college for ten years, was a director of education for four. Education is everything I believe in. When I listen to a teaching pastor, 
I'm mentally stimulated. I'm grown. I feel like I'm a tree that's planted by rivers of of water. And so I feel like in all honestly, in all honesty, you have to be both. If you're not both, then um, I couldn't handle it. I, I would need someone that's mediocre at relationship or great at relationship, but they have to have some type of ability to teach, whether it's an okay ability that's growing or a fantastic ability. But I couldn't be in a place where the person isn't a teacher, and I also couldn't be in a place where the pastor isn't relational. I have been in those in those churches, all the mega churches. Right. Amazing teachers, zero relationship. Now that I've been in a, a relationship-based church, you see the difference. There's a major, uh, there's a major protection over your life, um, where there's a a massive amount of accountability um, through the people, through the pastors, and through the staff, and so. And a part of that is I'm accepting that new accountability myself. I mean, you could still go to this place and have zero accountability, a place, you know, a small local church. But for me, you know, as an intellectual, and I can consider myself an intellectual, I have a couple degrees, master's from Oral Roberts here in town. I'm just going to give them some praise. I loved that school, but I listened to teachers my whole life to, to get that MBA. And so, um, you know, I had some incredible, incredible teachers. My accounting professor, Terry Unruh. Just taught me what an incredible professor was, what an incredible teacher was. And he passed on that along with Gary Ritzop and several other, other of my, my teachers. Who was, he was my chemistry teacher. They taught me the importance of teaching and loving teaching. And so I've learned through other people, you know, my current pastor, the importance of relationship. And so now that you know, once the window is open and you see relationship and you see teaching, you, you realize that you can't get rid of either even if they're at different places and different levels you, you got to have both or i do i have to have both i agree can i go on a mini rant real quick is it a two-man just, just a mini maybe oh okay maybe. my perfect we, uh, maybe i kind of maybe is a yes and it's it's 50 percent. so we hold the right to <laughs> cut you off okay my my preference the perfect church to me is Church on the Move worship, Craig Rochelle teaching, and the relationships that I have at my current Absolutely, church. Absolutely, dude. That would be such a, a knockout church. I've never been Church on the Move. Oh, so my I gosh. don't know the worship. No, he's nailing it. But Or Victory. Victory has really awesome. I've never been to Victory. Oh, dude. But, similar, similar. But the thing my rant is about, I feel like as we go through this book and we see how the church has changed – it's it's exactly like this. It's preference based, yeah, almost. And so, a lot of times we focus on those things, and then we end up destroying, not on purpose, but destroying the idea of what Christ wanted with the church, you know. And so we, somebody likes awesome worship, so they focus so much on the worship, and they lose the relationships. They and, become unbalanced, and it becomes unbalanced. And so that's where I think, as we're going through this book. We we try to pick our perfect church, and we end up just kind of destroying the what God intended for in the local church. So I've never been to a perfect church. I've always I've been to churches that have amazing mission programs, uh, deep biblical studies, amazing community outreaches, incredible kids. 
programs. They've got old-fashioned down. They've got cutting-edge down. Maybe they're progressive. Uh, maybe they're traditional and fundamental. But I've never been to one where I've just been like, check, 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 fed, 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 fed. It's been like fed, X, 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 check. And so, you know, our current pastor would call that consumerism. And I personally don't care if that's considered that. Uh, this is my life. And, um, and I need to take care of me, myself, my family, me, number one. And then I need to take care of my family, number two. And I'm not, uh, and of course, my relationship with Christ is above everything. But then that triangle relationship with God and my wife is number two. But I have to take care of me. If I can't take care of me, then I can't take care of anybody. And so I have to watch out for myself. And then I'm watching out for my wife and my child right there. And then everything kind of trickles on down from there. And so when I'm at a church and I'm being told, you know, you need to stick to one church, don't be a church hopper. Well, I don't really care what that person, what, about that statement. The number one thing is, is, is this the right place for me? Did God bring me here? And sometimes God brings you to a place that's not, not A, like if I'm grading A, B, C, D. They may not have A's in any of your important brackets, but that Holy Spirit leading is telling you to be there. Obedience is number one. You know, like we're, we're talking about obedience and sacrifice. I want to be obedient. I want to sacrifice my desire to be in the, the flashy Starbucks church. You know, where everybody wants to have Starbucks, and they could have HH Java for several bucks cheaper and way better <laughs> and have a great relationship with an, a level two barista, um, you know, trained. And so they could have that, or they could. Um, it, it, what I'm anyway. My point is, the Holy Spirit is everything. Listening to where you're supposed to be, whether there are A's in all the boxes, B's in all the boxes, maybe they don't even have boxes to check. At the end of the day, that obedience is everything. I do have one confession. You just brought up, you know, Starbucks. My wife and I went to Starbucks the other day because we were on the other side of Tulsa. What? And uh, just just so you know, we ordered one hot drink, one cold drink, and we got two hot drinks. So I How mean, does that happen? I have no idea. Well, thank you. That really made my day. Your place is based off relationship. My business? Yeah. It really is. I, I, I basically text William, dude, I'm on my way, and he has my drink ready. He, like, really he knows is. what I want. So. I build my business, if you guys want me to expound on it for a minute, on relationships. And um, I have a, a list on my wall in my business. It's called my Dream 100. And these are the 100 people I'm building my business around. So I know their names a little bit. Every time I learn a little bit more about them, I wrote those details down. And I know what their drinks are. I know what they drive. And so when they come up and when I hire somebody, I show them my Dream 100. And I say, that's my Dream 100. Here's your piece of paper. Here's your Dream 100. That's 100 people that I will never have a relationship with that you will. And if you can't build a relationship with these people, then you're going to find another job. Boom, shakalaka. That's a great philosophy. Great business model. I know when I pull up, you already know what I want. So Americano. Exactly. Triple, three shots. We're going to work on four, though. Yeah, I like the three. What's my Three's drink, good. William? Fru, fru. <laughs> Butterbeer frap. <laughs> is it butterbeer latte or butterbeer, butterbeer latte? Oh, wait, wait, right now or well after? I mean... <laughs> right now, a cup of air or a fresh fruit smoothie. <laughs> right now, it's a fresh fruit smoothie for sure. Here, Dusty, that's your drink. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> air. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs>
Andrew. I know. All right, so you've listened to our podcast. We've talked about this. Uh, did you listen to the one about the costumes? The, we thought it was talking about figurative costumes. It was talking about literal costumes. So, I thought it was talking about clothing. That's what it was. Clothing. Okay. Okay. Literal costumes or whatever. Your yeah, Sunday best. I heard that one. We thought it was the figurative costumes. I could see both. Right. Now that you say that. So let's talk about that figurative costume. Uh, is there... Well, actually, let's... Re- go back to what we first talked about. Was there a big difference, or do you see a bigger difference here than you did in Pennsylvania with a figurative costume? Putting on your Sunday yes, smile. Yes, absolutely. There's a whole lot more fraud, fraudulence in Tulsa. There's a whole lot more hiding. There's a whole lot more of putting on the happy face when you can tell that this person is significantly miserable, probably is broke, and should not be at church five times a week, should be working 80 hours a week to change their socioeconomic status, to make their lives happier. And I say 80-hour weeks, and I'm really being generous. It's more like 100-hour weeks. And so um, I look at that, and I see a lot of damage. Like the churches here, they really want you to come to every event all the time. And I grew oh up that way. Oh, my gosh, yes. I grew up that way. Wednesday, Sunday morning, two services, Sunday night, a service. And um, and I it really did plant a lot of great seeds in my life. It really did. And and I still to this day, that harvest is, is still happening in my life. At the same time, you know, I have to take care of myself. Like, I have to reach these financial goals, pay off my college loans, make sure my wife and family have the money to live like we do. We want to, you know, we have significant goals in our life, in our in our lives. And so if we spent all this time at churches, like if we did cell group once a week, went to Wednesday night church, went to Sunday church twice a week, I would honestly become a very miserable person. Although I would know more about the people around me and know more about the pastor and, you know, worship God several times a week. And I, that's, none of that's negative. But my personal life and my business would absolutely be um, – would be on the rocks and be suffer. failing and suffer. And so I think that each person should take into account of where they're going, what they need to get there. And um, and if they're unhappy, then uh, money is not – is the you know, the abuse of money is the root of all evil. But, man, the more money you make, it really does make things easier. Making a lot of money, if you, even if you have to work an extra five to ten hours a week and skip a church, I am all for that. Because then in the end, when you're debt-free, then you get to spend all your time at church, and then you get to come from a power position. And to me, it's all about getting the help of church. While you're, while you're broke and in debt, you don't necess- you're, you're more of like a, a wounded uh, person, and you're more on the receiving end. When you get financially set and you've spent all that time and money investing in, in your revenue streams, creating viable revenue streams through your life, knocking out your debt – setting things in place to pass it down to your children and your children's children, then you get to come back around to the church um, in, in a gift role. And so I think so many people in Tulsa are stuck because in Tulsa we want you to be at church like seven days a week. And if you're not, then we've got a scripture for it that you know, you're know you just a seasonal, you're fair weather, and there's so much condemnation in the city about that. And I think it's very, very dangerous. I'm not putting down church more than once a week. I'm just saying – you got to know what you're going for and what's important, and absolutely your relationship with Christ is number one. 
but paying your bills is absolutely right up there and being uh, comfortable with your standing level, standard of living. It's not super expensive to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but compared to other parts of the world, it is. And even still, it takes a lot with all the insurances that are required. If you've got kids, you need insurances on them, your cars, your assets, your businesses. It's outrageous, all the bills you have. So uh, that's just my, you know, you, Dusty might call that a, a rant, but that's kind of how I feel about the differences. There's a whole lot more uh, facade. Well, I agree with that as far as, like, what you mentioned working, even if you have to miss a service, it's worth it. To me, like, missing the Sunday show, the Sunday encounter, the service, that that part, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with missing that as long as you don't also check out of the relationship part of it where yeah. it, that keeps you grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not talking about checking out of the relationships. No way. Now, one thing we haven't talked about to you is you actually, you're a musician and you toured, and mm -hmm. uh, so you know a lot about the music aspect. Well, I've got three albums on iTunes. The first one I put up was in uh, early 2000. I get a check every single month from iTunes. I've sold, hundreds of, I've sold and streamed hundreds of thousands of songs. Other people have done much better, but I, um, yeah, I toured for 10 or 12 years, lead singer, wrote, I don't know, 50 songs, was with ASCAP or... Or, no, excuse me, I was with BMI, and so I had a great time. It was, uh, if anyone's ever heard of the hedgehog principle, can I be the best at this? Do I love it? And is it turning my economic engine? I knew I could be the best folk artist. I absolutely loved it to death, but it wasn't turning my economic engine like I was looking for. And so within those three circles, they intersect, and there's this little point in the middle. And when I couldn't check, is it turning your economic engine? I'm paying you know, a five-person band. I'm paying them, and I'm not paying myself. You know, it's not getting me where I want to be. I had to let it go. So I, I did let it go eventually. Did you listen to, well, I believe it was actually last week we did the worship leader. Yeah, with Tyler. Yeah, I missed right. that one. You missed that one. No, and I'll get to it, though. I haven't okay. it, got it yet. But we'll still talk about it. Uh, I know T.S. Great guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. Loves coffee. Yes. Is he uh, part of your 100 list? No. No, sorry, T.S. He doesn't come often enough. <laughs> Yours and my the other, other side of Tulsa. My dream 100 are people that frequent my business, not occasionally come. Nice. All right. Um, <laughs> wait, that's not a dig on TS. <laughs> <laughs> but if it causes them to come more, fantastic. I'll put them on my list. <laughs> you heard it here, TS. If you want to be on William's dream 100 list, just visit him more. <laughs> Buy more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that question. Touring. The worship leader question. Was it? Did it have to do with worship styles? Well, just so you know, I was a folk artist. I was a worship leader in a youth group in a church, and I was a youth pastor for about eight months. I did what didn't hear a group of about eight kids in six months. It was over a hundred kids. I enjoyed that somewhat. But. You were a folk artist. I was a folk singer, that's right. Have you seen the movie A Mighty Wind? That sounds like you're talking about gas. <laughs> yes. But I have not. Oh, dude, you would love it. It's a mockumentary of folk music. Really? <laughs> it's funny. Why would he love it if he was a folk singer I, it's and just, it's kind of mocking his profession? It's just funny. Have you seen Best in Show, The Dog Show? No. Same people. It's very dry humor. So now he's um, comparing folk music point? to a dog show. I don't. I just thought it was funny. You want me to go watch a movie that mocks the music I used to try to make? 
Yes. <laughs> I like that swallow you did before you said that. <laughs> I was trying to say no, but there was no way to say no. What do you see the role as uh, the worship leader role? The worship leader role? Right. Do you see that kind of as a pastoral position? Yeah, absolutely. The worship leader role to me. Okay, so there's two things in my mind in church. You have the spoken word and you have the sung word. And so the spoken word, oftentimes when people leave, they forget it. Like you're listening to a spoken word for 45 minutes and you don't remember a word it said. And then you're listening to the sung word for 15 minutes, but you go home and you sing those lyrics that are just as biblically based all day, all week, your whole entire life. Why is that? Because we learned a couple things about our mental chemistry when it comes to attaching words to actions, to melodies, and to songs. What we learn is when we add these different parts of our brain, we remember them much longer. And so I put a, a massive amount of emphasis on worship over spoken word when I'm comparing it spoken word versus sung word. Both are the Bible. One is spoken. One is sung. So I look at those as two different pastors. I look at it as the spoken word pastor, and I look at it as the, as the sung pastor. So to me, when you have a person leading, they are the, they are the pastor. They're the worship pastor. Because I'm going to go home, and I'm going to internalize those melodies, internalize those lyrics, internalize those scriptures, and I'm going to sing them all day long. I don't know about you guys, but I sure am not going to go home and talk about the, the message all day. There will be keys and points that I will that will trigger my mind into uh, new places and new thoughts and hopefully create transformational change in me. But it's more so this sung word that digs inside of me. And so, yeah, I look at them as a worship leader. I know that not all ch churches do, and that's that's kind of like their decision. But that for me, uh, for me, they are the they are a pastor. Yeah. Gotcha. Now I'm kind of on the opposite end. If there is a part of church, say I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss the music. I don't take as much of value from music, but I'm not very musically inclined at the same time. I can't remember word or songs at all to save my life. That's, but I can remember a sermon. My wife um, works at a special needs school, and that sounds like you might be special needs. <laughs> and because um, I've never heard, I of might that. be. And so, what I can say is I don't have near the patience that my wife does. But what I can tell you is that, um, you know, sorry. Because I can't tell you how much I get out right. of the worship and how I just feel bad for you. I'm kidding about the special needs, by the way. But it's I am good. serious. I am. It saddens my heart to hear that you can't – you you don't get that same value as I do. Because it's like – it's that part of the church that the word is spoken in lyric form, and it's transformational for me. It's where I turn all the light bulbs on that were off in dark rooms. And I say, here, God, here's another room. My apology. You already knew. I knew. I know you knew. But here it is. Click. And then it's where he says, no problem, son. Redeemed. It's over. Move on. Move forward. Don't go back. Don't turn it off. In fact, let's remove the switch. And so if you don't get that opportunity in, in worship, I would be curious to know where you get that opportunity. Maybe it's in your, your small groups. But that, for me, happens mostly in worship. Is it because I'm a musician? Possibly. Is it because I enjoy singing and, and that action? triggers something inside of me possibly but i don't i know there are a lot of people that aren't musicians that get that same value so. 
couldn't say it was just a musician thing. I couldn't say it was either, and I don't understand why I don't. Uh, you know, I've never gotten, I've never been into music at all. I've seen you in church when I'm, uh, I'm leading worship. I always see you, your head like nod, like you're about to <laughs> fall over because you're sleeping. Usually, I'm sleeping. You are sleeping? Yeah, you put me to sleep. Yeah, I thought so. Your your voice it just soothes me. So I would encourage you to start with an action. Like you know, when I was a kid, I would raise my hand in church, raise my hands in church. You know, it was and it always felt it was always tough at first. And as we get older, it's tougher, right? It gets weirder. It gets more complex. And um, because is, is it appropriate? Am I gonna look like I'm an attention hog? And so I think that possibly there's a part of you that just needs to give that spoken word a chance where you just spend one day just singing through the melodies with that that house and i i could be wrong but i would think that you would gain something even if it was negligible even if you didn't understand it you do it over time like in business in in marketing we never do uh, marketing once we always do it for uh, three times whether that be three years three months three mailings or whatever we give we give seasons, we give months, we give we give it a chance. We don't just judge it off one shot. So even in the church, I might use that same philosophy. Try it a couple times and see if the see if I'm right. I think you might be missing out on something. I don't know. I've I've done it quite a bit. I mean, I was in a band with Dusty. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a band. It was like a you said, you were band. a musician. He's not. I'm not. <laughs> we needed no we sense. needed a bass player. <laughs> yes. He learned four chords. It was so back when, when worship Sunder is happening. Are you like can't wait till we can get to announcements? Yes, I cannot wait to give them my money right now. What are you doing in your mind? Um, usually I'm talking. Really? Yeah. You should shut yourself up. Or he's probably watching <laughs> me on stage trying to see where I mess up. No, actually, I watch the drummer more than I watch it. Uh, Dusty. Usually, I think that there's a lot of people out there like you. I get into the drummers' movements and just watching them. And you know what? That might be a testament to why some churches stay away from bands because of the um, because of the showmanship, because of the loss of ability for people to close their eyes and forget about what's happening around them, and they lose the value. And you know so what I did a ch- when there was a choir? What did you do when there was a choir? I watched the people and waited for somebody to mess up, and I would pinpoint that person out. I think that you're a out. child that needs to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I do have a question though, because I'm a worship leader too, and so um, you are. There, there is a way of you are. Um, I express myself on stage way differently than I do when I'm out in the audience. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm very more stagnant in the audience, me more, too. and I, I think some of it I'm judging the, the, the quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's hard as a musician. And so, and I just wondered because. I really had to check myself because to make sure it wasn't just a showmanship that I'm trying to put on stage, and it's really not. It's just when I'm playing music, I'm very more expressive than when I'm well, actually. I don't agree in some ways. I and let me explain why. I believe that worship happens behind the scenes. Um, for instance, in a worship band, worship doesn't happen right when you're about when you're doing your sound checks. That's called preparing for the show. And then when you're on stage, obviously, hopefully your heart's in the right place, but you are doing the Sunday show for the people so that they can get into a worship state. Where did the worship take place? Behind the scenes when the band got together and they said, let's worship God personally. 
first and foremost. And then when you get there on Sunday morning, you do the sound check for the show. And so on Sunday morning, I'm not I'm very little me is worshiping. I'm mentally thinking of the chords. I'm mentally thinking of the melodies. I'm mentally thinking of the breaks, of the volumes, of the tempo, of all of these things that I have to get right to be a part of this process so that the people out there can participate in worship. So for me, I'm in a show. I'm doing the, the show. Because at that moment, it is my job as a musician to put on this this episode for these people to experience that. To create an atmosphere. For them. For, them. for me, I cannot plug my thoughts and my mind and silence my mind and focus on the scriptures. I can't. Maybe at certain, at, in folk music, maybe I could get there, and I am new in worship and, and with this, and so I'm still learning a lot of the songs, melodies, chords, and, and inflections, and you know stuff like that. So maybe it, I'm speaking from an ignorant perspective, an ignorant place. But you are. I know yeah, for sure. me that on Sunday morning, that's not where I'm worshiping. I have spent the time in my house worshiping in front of God, saying, God, speak to me in this music. And then on Sunday, I'm performing that song for God as a sacrifice of my ability, of my gifts, saying, God, here is my best gift. Here is my best sacrifice. And the people that are with us, they are corporately worshiping. But my role is to deliver that opportunity, that that place. So I differ from you in that perspective. Well, maybe I, that's I why I can't worship suck. when I'm up there. But when I'm in the audience, I tell myself, don't judge. Don't pay attention to Dusty's bad bass playing, which it's not. It's very smooth and soothing. Don't pay attention to the non-locked harmonies. Don't pay attention to the to the mistakes. Don't pay attention to anything other than where do I need to take my heart right now to get something out of this for myself. Mm. And so I have to shut down the musician side of myself to allow myself to, to get into the presence of God. Yeah, it usually takes me a couple songs to be like, is this worthy of worship? Almost kind wow. of attitude. I'm joking. You are but, a critic, bro. But I am. I don't You're know a why. music snob. I don't know why. But, but dude, when I go to Church on the Move, I just jump right in. <laughs> I guess when you get used to their quality, you don't have to worry. Yeah, I mean, it's you're definitely being a, a music snob. Yep. And that comes with skill and the and the fact that you put time into it and you expect the same things. And you know that Church on the Move has, you know, speaking of Church on the Move, they have the, you know, they're paying their musicians top dollar. So, of course, they're attracting the best musicians and a lot of those musicians have been there for years upon years and so i don't know well like today at church i just felt like it was terrible really personally Worship? well we had two guys that i normally don't play with and one guy first time and so and then he had a last minute notice you know and so it's tough just it's, it's really tough you yeah know? especially when you have to lead worship for two services did you did you lead not this week uh, okay do we Next week, do I lead? You do lead next week. Okay, I better. Are you prepared? I better get that ready. <laughs> Have you spent time worshiping? Uh, no. <laughs> Fail. I say I save that for the show. That's where I, that's where I'm. <laughs> okay. That's where I'm doing it wrong. That's I guess. Classic. That's where I'm doing it wrong. You are absolutely, you know, and I'm gonna state a very strong opinion of mine. You are absolutely doing that wrong. <laughs> you have to worship behind the scenes. And then when you get up there, it's it is about the performance. It is about we'll start the doing a House of Heroes thing. We'll start meeting all the worship leaders meet together once a month. Oh, dude, that would be that would be transformational, dude. You would see some major differences in your worship leaders. 
I'm kind of serious, but all right, Dusty, do you have any other questions? I got a question for you guys. Go. Where do you guys see this thing going? I'm I'm intrigued by uh, what you're doing and how you're approaching some of these things that are taboo, and you're you're just kind of focusing on topics that nobody's talking about from the pulpit, and everybody kind of shies away, and no one really has a good answer. And so where we are don't you guys either, going? With, so. <laughs> where are you guys going with this? Well, right now we're following a, along with a book, uh, Pagan Christianity. Mm-hmm. You probably know that since you listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that book is done, we kind of want to stay with a kind of, I, I want to, I'm not sure what Dusty exactly wants. It's just more his pod sh- podcast, but I want to stay with those taboo. Uh, I want to ask, the, right. I want to keep asking questions and I don't want to shy away from what other Christians or other people, churches are shying away from. Is it more important for you guys to ask the questions, or is it more important on this podcast to find the answers? I want to find the answers. Cool. I like that. I can I can get behind something like that. Dusty? Well, I I agree. We started with the book because we didn't know what else to talk about. And uh, so if you disagree with us, it's probably disagreeing more with the book than with what maybe we think. But well, I loved how you guys read the intro to that book. You know, if you're looking for ammo, ammunition to attack the church, then I'm not here. Don't right. read my book. Back out. Get out of here. Right. If you're looking for, um, you know, just uh, um, to open your mind to some right. of these things that are different, then keep reading. And I appreciated that because I'm not going to ever read this book. And so I'm kind of read, reading it through you guys. Well, and we, we have some friends, you know, across the country that we will probably get involved as far as interviews. I think we've really liked hearing a third person's just opinions Aspect. and aspects on the, on the subject. And so I think we'll go along that route too, as we are it's kind of one of those things we're trying to find answers to. I like it. And so yeah, you're kind of growing as we grow. Well, I'll be back anytime you guys uh, feel like I can bring something to show you guys know where I'm at. And if you ever talk about, uh, Christian entrepreneurs, I'd love to add a little bit of, of that as I am a Christian entrepreneur, have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales for my personal businesses and and um so I've got a lot of things I'm really good at. And of course I don't have it all down, but I do know quite a bit about being a small business owner and, and how to scale and, and I do have a place I'm going, aka franchising and, and so and I'm an absolute devout Christian. And so I, I just would love to talk about that if you guys ever get there. We uh, we'll talk about it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, uh, that would be that'd be awesome. Well, that would be a good one for Dusty, obviously, because Dusty being a small business owner. Ain't that something? We're gonna leave that for another podcast. That's just a hard topic. All right, and with that, we're out of here. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Hey, I didn't win the Powerball this week, so we'll be back next week. I didn't have one oh, right sure. number. Me neither. Was... You guys actually bought tickets. A ticket. A ticket, yeah. So I'm still the winner because I'm still two dollars richer. You're a loser. I'm the winner. Except I won some money on FanDuel, so suck it. Two bros in the Bible belt.